the Ghost Goal Podcast. The FA Cup third round and Carabao Cup quarterfinals are in the books, leading us back to pivotal Premier League action at the top and bottom of the table. While fourth place Manchester United will host their noisy neighbours Manchester City on Saturday morning, Arsenal will look to maintain their title bid with a trip to fifth place Tottenham in the North London Derby Sunday morning. But today's about more than just those teams near the top of the table, as we're set to discuss the teams threatened by relegation ahead of the big six-pointers like Everton Southampton and Wolves West Ham set for kickoff this weekend. I'm Alex here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Pod, episode 392. Javier, uh, before we get to all that lovely stuff I uh, just introed, we do have two things. One, which is a glaring omission on my part. I'm the one. I usually try and get these uh, Google Google Docs set up uh, with what we're going to talk about each week. But we both just dropped the ball by, you know, I think it's been two pods since uh, the news of uh, Pele's passing. 82 years old, synonymous with greatness in the sport and one of the trailblazers in the early years and, and responsible for the it becoming the world's game. Uh, I, I don't really know how to make up for it, but we can definitely spend a few minutes talking about Pele and, you know, his impact not only on us, but on football as a whole. Uh, you know, as a fellow South American, what was your reaction to his passing? Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I think it just didn't hit me for a while. I mean, I don't it, think it, it has. It, hit it, me it has. Really. It hasn't really hit me either. It, it, it just feels like he's been around my entire life, obviously. And he's been, for me, always the GOAT. You know, always the best player in football. Uh, you know, Messi hasn't finished his career. And, you know, I, while I think when Messi finishes his career, he will be the best player ever, uh, I think Pele has to be always up there with him. And, and, and if you argue Pele in that, like, argument of who's the best player ever, I, I, I couldn't begrudge someone Pele because what he did from you know, playing, winning the World Cup at 17, being the top goal scorer in the competition, you know, becoming a worldwide star, being the, the you know, also being the, the first player, you know, just wearing those iconic Brazilian jerseys, winning the first color televised World Cup too. Um, in 1970, yeah. Yeah, he won it again. That's the, you know, the, the, the yeah, so I just... Pele was basically just, you know, it, for generations, you know, our parents' generations and their parents, he was their, you know, their Lionel Messi and has, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, you always, I always heard from anyone who liked football, you know, about Pele, how amazing he was, watched his highlights, you know, told me, you know, that if they'd been at a game or seen him or, you know, it's going to be the type of thing where, you know, you meet someone in life, they're going to tell you they saw this guy play at, you know, a certain stadium. And it's going to be a, a, you know, amazing story because this guy's that good, that amazing. Everywhere, everywhere he played, he wowed everybody. And yeah, it's it's like it's it's basically Michael Jordan. The Michael Jordan of, of soccer is the best way I could almost compare it. That's that's a great segue, because I was going to say you can't begrudge any fan referring to Pele as the, the greatest footballer of all time, because he's he he transcended the sport he's obviously a trailblazer for the sport made it into a worldwide wide game like i was saying 
you you're, you can't really compare him to the greats in football. You can only really compare him to the Bill Russells, Muhammad Ali's, these like colossal figures who were bigger than sport because they were, you know, frankly, th- those kinds of guys, specifically Pele and Ali, were the first uh, black worldwide stars, specifically of, of sport as well. I mean, people had heard of great boxers before uh, in the early part of the, the century. And, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking his name? The, the the runner who won all the gold medals at the Berlin Olympics. Jesse Owens? Jesse Owens, yeah, that's it. Like So the, those were like the earliest stars, but they weren't part of like the commercial commercialization and globalization of sports and fandom of sports the way players like Pele and boxers like Muhammad Ali were. So yeah, it's the, the fact that he's, it's more than, they're more than just the sports they played. They meant so much more. And uh, frankly, like Michael Jordan is a good one, but there aren't many people that you can say they're the Pele of X and people th- just automatically think, oh, they're the greatest ever. They're the, well, well, they're one and, of the and best the, ever. And, and the thing, the thing about Pele too is, like you said, not only did he, you know, he was involved in so much politics. He played all, of, almost all of his, you know, the best of his career. I'd say the, you know, fifteen years of his career in Brazil stayed on. He was his, forced. He was forced to stay in Brazil because they they made a law designating him as a national treasure so he couldn't leave the country until he got old and was able to go to and he was in the middle uh, of you know america but you know two like political waging parties waging literal literal war like you know killing each other you know basically almost civil war happening in the country and you know whoever was in power was trying to use pele as their you know uh their tool tool Exactly. Kind of like how they're, Neymar they're propaganda was, tool. Do you see Neymar and, as like being paid and basically giving tax cuts to prop up Bolsonaro? There's plenty of other, you know, Brazilian players, sports figures that do the same thing. But that's something that happens even today is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't think that so, like a, a worldwide star even today endorsing someone, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who will vote just because, oh, Neymar said he, this guy's good. So let's let's vote for him. Uh, it's just like a horrible abuse of power, in my opinion. But evidently um, not the last election, since he lost. Yeah, evidently not. Yeah, now he's living in Miami. Um, but uh, yeah, no. For Pele, I mean, just ev- so sad at his passing. But you know, so many great memories of him, and he was an ambassador for football for the rest of basically the rest of his entire yeah. life. I mean, he just he kept was promoting the, the game. He was always at you know the World Cups. He was always presenting around players, meeting players. You know, he he would always show up with the up and coming talent, you know, put his hand shoulder around them and, and encourage them. You know, you, the, every every great player out there, you know, for generations, a couple of generations now has gone to Pele at some point in their life and, and tried to talk to him and get advice from him. And so he's right. that mentor for like almost every pro player for the last 20 well, 30 years every mega star mega star pro player yeah exactly Since so it's like it's, it's crazy so it's much much more than something like michael jordan i was going to say in that sense because he well, did no, so Jordan's much kind of like that well he, sort of but but in the he, sense that not, like he, he's not as personable as pele was and like sure. and, he's more you know, competitive as, for sure for sure but but i just want to finish the yeah. i want to finish the pele talk uh just by because we haven't mentioned, you know, him on the field so much. It's been the off the field stuff because that's, you know, so important when you have to talk about him. But when you think about Pele the player, 
I'm going to go ahead and share this to the Ghost Skull Twitter account at Ghost Skull Pod. But there, there's been a highlight reel going around on Twitter and Instagram for years of whatever your favorite player did, Pele did it first. And it's like five to 10 minutes. I can't remember how long of just, you know, highlights of, quote, modern players at players from the last like 20, 30 years, you know, pulling off like specific tricks and, and things like that. And then Pele doing it back in the 50s and 60s. It's it's. It's amazing to watch. It's uh, I'm sure you've seen it before, Javier. I'm pretty sure we've shared it amongst each other. But again, I'll share that to the, the Ghost Goal Pod Twitter account, at Ghost Goal Pod. So keep an eye out for that. One more thing we have to hit on real quick before we talk about, you know, the teams closer to the bottom of the Premier League this season is the news that broke, I think, uh, late Monday night, maybe Tuesday of Chelsea have... <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. They've loaned Joao Felix from Atletico Madrid, the uh, 24-year-old Portuguese forward. Uh, they've loaned him for the rest of the season. No option to buy. Something like an 11 million loan fee and then paying all of his wages. It comes out to like 20 million that Chelsea will spend on a five-month loan deal for a player we're not sure is going to be much of a success right away, which is what he would have to be for this to, to pay off. But frankly, with all the injuries and, uh, you know, the players that are supposed to be scoring the goals, not not doing it so far. Let me stop so you far. right there, he, Alex. He has to, he has to, like, me, you have to bring in you someone. need some help here, Alex? No, I I'm got just, you. I guess I'm trying to think out loud. I'm just, I'm just saying something had to be done. It's not a good deal financially. I think it's a good deal. I don't think it's a good deal. Do you want just me to tell you why? financially. But we needed something different. Obviously, financially, Chelsea quote unquote you might think it's not a good deal but what if it ends up like giving you enough of a push to get into the Champions League or even Europa League and get some side I think short we ha- of Europe next we have season. we have to put we have to put Champions League that's yeah, that's not, not happening League, but Europa League that's maybe, not happening <laughs> maybe you make a push for Europa League um, yeah but at that and, point there's no real difference between Europa League versus Conference League like if you told me which well one no would there you is prefer? but I'm just saying I'm just saying if you were able to to still you know close that gap significantly, and Jao Felix helps do that. The other thing is, you look at a player, someone like Martin Odegaard, who I honestly never thought we could ever sign. He had that loan, no option to buy, you know, and went back to Real Madrid, but we turned his head with that year-long loan. You never know. If you bring, and I mean, Jao Felix, the way he's been talking, these interviews, the stuff he's been saying, I mean, it sounds like he wants... He wants out at Atletico Madrid, so he's he's, he's giving you guys a six month trial. If things would, go well, you Javier, can turn let me his stop head you real quick. And if he puts in a transfer fee, it's not going to be as expensive as this hundred million that that Atletico are quoting. It'll be you know fifty sixty million, but you like it worth it for Chelsea. No, I, mean, I think you will have that incident. There's a very fact. important piece of information I, I think you might have missed earlier today. It was announced that before he went on loan to Chelsea, he signed a new deal with Atletico that takes him through to two thousand twenty seven. So interesting. Yeah, I think he's just waiting until the end of the season where it's rumored that Diego Simeone will be leaving Atletico Madrid and he will be freed from the shackles of defensive football and some other coach will come in and Joao Felix will be back at Atletico Madrid. I I was trying to talk myself into, you know, the positives in it. But once I saw he signed a new deal, I just thought, why are we doing this? This guy doesn't give a shit. Alex. Uh, Yeah, that that might be true. All right. uh, Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) See what I mean, Javier? (laughs) I was trying to come in with my whole spiel, Alex. You ruined it. (laughs) That's why I was trying to stop you earlier. I was like, Javier, you're missing a piece of information. It's pretty pivotal here. But yeah, that was. Well, uh, then a I wouldn't have given well. my spiel. You would have missed it. So you know, this is all for the better. 
Yeah, and who knows? By the time uh, the people listen to this, maybe after Thursday, after Chelsea have played Fulham, maybe João Felix has scored like a brace and set up a goal or something, had a great game, and I sound like an idiot. I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens, but I'm not optimistic. All right, so like I said in the intro, we've been uh, you know fumbling our responsibilities for the rest of the league. I don't think we've given the rest of the Premier League the attention that it deserves because there is a hell of a relegation battle shaping up here. Let me pull up the table real quick. Okay, so the teams from 13 down to 20, the bottom of the Premier League, they are separated by five points at the moment. 13th place Leicester City are also separated by only two points with Everton in the final relegation spot, 18th. So it's still packed down there. You know, some teams have games in hand, but for the most part, it's very even. And we're in mid-January going into the, the, the final half of the season. So let's start from the bottom and work our way up. I think by the end of this, we're going to you know, try and use this time to talk ourselves into who we think the three teams are going to be that will go down. But let's start from the bottom with Southampton, a team that was honestly the first team that came to mind when I was thinking, like, what teams have we not talked about enough, given enough attention to? And Southampton have been through a lot without us really mentioning it. And mainly it's them firing Ralph, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl, who we might have, I think we mentioned at the time that he got fired. And then they went ahead a week or so later and hired Nathan Jones from Luton Town down in the championship. He had been there for a while, was kind of their Eddie Howe, brought them up all the way from League Two to uh, the championship and, and made them a decent championship side. He's now being tasked with a jump up to Southampton to you know help save them from relegation. They're obviously down in the very bottom place. They're on something like six games with losing a uh, six game losing streak at the moment but at the same time they've made moves i think there's there's cause for optimism there even with a couple of bad results even for nathan jones since he's come in uh, what what have you been your thoughts about southampton i guess it's pretty much the last three premier league games he's only he's only been there for maybe not three he's been there for four premier league games and in in those games, they've played Liverpool, Brighton, and Fulham, and Nottingham Forest. I may be a little salty because uh, Southampton did take a point off us this season. Two points Dude, off us. Dude, they I'm beat sorry. us. Yeah, they that's beat crazy. us. They have. They, they randomly show up on the day. They have and they 12 have, points and they, they have beat some us. Random quality <laughs> players in the team. And I think adding uh, Carlos Alcaraz, he's an uh, Argentine center, def- center midfielder who. Benfica were, you know, they were set to buy him if Chelsea were going to pay the release clause for Enzo Fernandez. So, you know, this this kid must have some talent. He's only 20 years old. They paid 14 million, which in, for the Argentine league, that's honestly a lot of money to be playing. It's for good chunk, yeah. So, the other player that they signed, which I'm very excited to watch in the Premier League, is one of my favorite players, honestly, who uh, I've been watching in the Champions League. He's one of the only reasons that I watched this team. I won't be watching this team anymore, basically. Um, but he was on Dinamo Kiev. Uh, Dinamo nah, Zagreb, I'm on. sorry. Come Dinamo on, Zagreb. then. <laughs> not, not Kiev, Zagreb. Um, but Miroslav Orsic, you know, he didn't play much in the World Cup at the beginning, but he came in off the bench and he got two assists in like five minutes off the bench, like in his two games that he came off. And I think he started in the, the later rounds, but he's such a like crafty and exciting 
winger slash striker. Uh, he can kind of play across the front line, and I think he's really going to help Southampton get some attacking output into this team, get some goals. He, they signed him permanently for $7 million. I mean, that's 30-year-old. He could still have a few good years in him, and he's been in a league where I don't think he's been like you know completely run into the ground. I could see this guy being like a Jamie Vardy type where he has five, six good years left in him, in the, like, and he could be like a good Premier League player for for another team if he does really well for Southampton and Southampton get relegated. I could see like a big team coming and signing him as like the backup striker. That's how good this guy could be. I, I'm hyping him up a lot, but I really, really like how he plays. And I we'll see how the physicality goes, but he's he's old enough in a, a point in his career where I think he, it could go well enough, you know? Let me put it this way. If Chelsea had signed him for $7 million, I'd be happy with that. The where, where we are currently <laughs> and the kind of profile of player we need, I think more so than, you know, just the experience alone, Orsic is far more direct and he has a far better goal scoring record than, frankly, anyone in this Southampton team. Like you said, they have a bunch of like young, promising players, especially players that they signed like last summer. Joe Aribo has been pretty good as an attacking midfielder that they signed from Rangers. He's popped up with goals pretty consistently. Uh, but then they have the uh, the winger from Manchester City, the Samuel Edoze. Uh, they have Sekou Mara, who they signed. Much, but yeah, Sekou he Mara hasn't played much, but he's good. he's had like spells here and there. He I'm just saying they that, uh, that Carabao Cup game today. Yeah, they they beat Manchester City earlier today. City played a backup team, but you know Southampton blitzed them in the first twenty minutes, and then you know we're solid for the rest of it. So I think there's, you know, there's some cause so for we optimism. All know the joke: City's backup team can win the league. So. It had, like, Foden, like... Yeah, I mean, that backup Juarez. team beat Chelsea <laughs> over yeah, the weekend Alvarez, in the FA Cup. So. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Southampton, despite, you know, 20th place, 12 points on the board. Like I said, it's close down there at the bottom, so even a small run of form can do a lot to change your fortunes. Uh, but let's move on to Wolves, who are in 19th right now. Definitely surprising for them to be uh, down anywhere close to the relegation zone. Uh, but they've gone through a sacking and hiring uh, of their own. They uh, hired Julian Lopetegui, the former Sevilla manager, back in mid-November, right after the uh, or the first the last game before the World Cup break was his first game. And since he's come in, he's gotten a win, a draw, and a loss in the league, and you know more impressively managed a two-two draw over this past weekend at Anfield uh, in the FA Cup. Frankly, they could have and maybe should have uh, won that game. So things are looking up for Wolves. They, they also brought in January, this January, Mateus Cunha from Atletico Madrid, a 23 or 24-year-old Brazilian striker who was on the fringes of that Brazil team and was kind of unlucky to not make it. But that's an influx of talent up top that I think they that Wolves desperately needed. Uh, do you think this is like a... I mean, they're obviously in the relegation zone right now, but how scared do you think Wolves fans should be? I mean, I'd be pretty scared if I'm a Wolves fan because the goals haven't been coming since all last season. You know, we we know Wolves have been a good team defensively. They have that spot. They still have Ruben Neves in the team, John Moutinho, um, that kid that they signed in midfield. Yeah, Mateus Nunez from... Uh... Sporting Lisbon. Yeah, last Mateus summer. Nunez. He's he looks like the real deal. I mean, I like I like, I think he could have gone to a much bigger team and he would have slotted right in. But 
he you know he's a gem for Wolves as well along with Nevis so they haven't they still have a fantastic midfield they just need to find some some attacking goal output and keep their their wingers healthy you know Podence can't stay healthy Neto can't stay healthy Jimenez isn't scoring goals so this is the type of thing that they they've got to move forward and they've got to push on try to get some goals now with this this striker that's been loaned in Cunha like you said I think he's a pretty good addition but I thought he they bought him which I think it's yeah no just we'll see lot. how much his his brain is there and if he really just wants to go back to Atletico so you know we'll see it remains to be seen if he'll be good but yeah I'd be worried if I'm a Wolves fan because the goals just haven't been there defensively they've been good but you need goals to stay in this league and there's a lot of really good teams that are in and around them that they're gonna they're gonna need a lot of points it's gonna be high high 30s to stay up the season you know you're gonna need 38 you know 39 I, I think there's gonna be a lot of good teams yeah but there's a lot of bad teams that's the whole point of this exercise <laughs> i'm just saying i i think yeah, let's talk about be, some of these other bad teams Alex. well come on I, i'm just saying i think southampton should be more worried than wolves i i they both yeah, we'll, are we'll, looking, we'll looking up our, at the We'll moment. give our predictions in a little here. Let's see. Let's, let's talk about the other teams. All right. Well, here's a favorite of mine, Everton. And by favorite, I mean uh, favorite to go down because uh, it's mid-January. They're uh, in the final relegation place, 18th uh, place on 15 points, only uh, three points off the bottom. They will host bottom Southampton this weekend. <laughs> it looks like... Uh, that's going to be Saturday at 10 a.m. There's a lot of good games this weekend at the bottom and top of the table. That one is going to be absolutely huge for them. But at the same time, I, at least Southampton and, and Wolves are making moves. I haven't seen anything from Everton this January. Some decent moves over the summer, but for where they are in the league right now and you know, no wins in their last six games and their last win came around the end of, no, of October... You'd think they'd be, you know, trying to bring in a few players, but it's uh, it may it may just be that Frank Lampard has to do with what he's got until he gets fired. And I think there's a lot of whispers at the moment that you know he's on the hot seat at the moment. It could be if he loses the Southampton game, I would not be surprised if he is out. Oh, if he loses the Southampton game, I think he's a hundred percent out. I think Everton for me, I was predicting them at the beginning of the season to go down. They had a good patch and I think they're similar to Wolves where defensively they're a really good team they have good defensive players they have I think Lampard's figured out a defensive structure in the team and this last weekend I remember looking at their back line looking at the midfield thinking all right you know this is good that to work with they don't have the attacking talent Damari Gray's okay you know, um, Calvert Lewin's only like just come back recently. And he was part yeah, of the team that got the draw city since he came back, but you know he's got to get back into form as well. I think if they can get Calvert Lewin scoring goals again, um, I, Anthony Gordon's been injured, hasn't he? I think he's played a fair amount. He's just not you know scoring and yeah, he hasn't much. been nearly as good as he was last season. I feel like so. You know, you'd think with Gray Gordon and Calvert Lewin, that's like a good enough front three. With it will be Idrissa Gay. Um, I mean, you know, evidently not, or they wouldn't be down in 18th place. Well, with... because all these players haven't been fit all season for Everton. They're just starting to come back and have a fit team. And, and they've scored 14 goals. It's, Ugh, yeah, just abysmal. It's not great. No, not great at all. 
you know, I don't want to see it, but it's looking increasingly likely that Lampard will be sacked. And, you know, maybe someone else comes in at that point and, you know, <laughs> uh, catapults them to safety. But on their current trajectory, it's not looking good. I don't think there's the same promise that there, you, you could argue there is at Wolves and Southampton. Um, another team that, you know, is down in the relegation zone it feels like a team that just you can't see getting relegated despite their bad form is West Ham in 17th. They're on 15 points as well, but ahead of Everton by, you know, one better in goal difference. So they're they're right on the brink there as well. They're winless in their last six games as well with an even worse record than Everton. Everton had drawn two games and have four losses in those last six games. Meanwhile, West Ham have drawn one game and have five losses. Uh, their last win was back on October 24th against Bournemouth and they don't have much of the the transfer activity that makes you think they're going to get out of it either do you think it's just a matter of Moyes finally putting like these pieces together and it's more of a formality than than anything? I really don't know what to think of West Ham Um, I thought they were going to be a lot tougher to beat for teams this season and it feels like they've had a lot of really close games where they've played well or had teams in the balance and they're, they're, you know, they're, they're front forwards, Bowen, Antonio haven't been able to finish, um, you know, Ben Rama, they just, they don't really have natural finishers in the team. And it's like, I, I know I well, keep saying you blame, it, but wouldn't you blame Skamaka for that more? I mean, I, I don't think he's having a terrible season for them, but it's obviously not been enough. It hasn't. I mean, that was their big money signing. I mean, I didn't even mention Skamaka, but it's because I've pretty much forgotten that he's been on that team, you know? But he's had some goals. I think he has like four he's been goals okay. in the league. Yeah. He had that little purple patch early on in the season, but since then he's been nowhere to be seen. And this is why West Ham haven't had, I mean, I keep saying it, but goals is what you need to stay up in this league. And if you can score a lot of goals, any team that's scored a lot of goals has been able to stay up. There's a lot of teams that can hunker down and, and, and get 12 men behind the ball or 11 men behind the ball and try to uh, defend for a long time. That's not as difficult to train as also the attacking side of the game. So if there's teams that can go forward and attack and, and score goals, which West Ham have been that team for a couple of seasons under Moyes, um, and they're, there's, they, they have good attacking patterns of play they can still move the ball around fairly quickly it's not like they look abysmal it's just that they're not finishing their chances and i think they need to sign some sort of i don't know i because they also have four knowledge they have so many like attacking yeah minded midfielders players who can create chances wingers tricky players it feels like Paqueta. they have enough Paqueta, yeah it feels yeah. like they have enough they have declan rice they have suchek I mean, this team is loaded, you know, Zuma at center back. That's why I don't know how worried Cresswell. to be about them, because I mean, this they're basically so equal good. to Everton right now on points and almost goal difference. So, But they're just massively underperforming, which we've seen happen for Moyes teams. But like, you got to feel like they're going to get it together at some point. And, and you know, right. Especially considering the team, safe. the team just above them, a point ahead of them in 16th place is Bournemouth, a team that I think has punched high above their their weight or far above their weight uh this season they, they had a really good run of form uh earlier in the season about five weeks where they went unbeaten and that's basically what's kept them out of the relegation zone so far but it looks like they've kind of returned to what we 
would expect. They only have one win in their last nine Premier League games. That was a 3-0 win at home against Everton, you know, fellow strugglers at the bottom. Uh, and then outside of that, they only had one draw in those nine games. So two games where they, they got points, the rest of them nothing. And most of that bad form has kind of coincided with them making Gary O'Neill the permanent manager or uh, basically taking away that caretaker title that he had for the first 12 games in the league that he was manager, which is an obscene like amount of time to have a caretaker manager like at the beginning of the season. Basically, they fired Scott Parker after three or four games ever since they made uh, Gary O'Neill their you know, full time manager, deservedly so. They haven't won a Premier League game like since then, and it's uh, it's looking like the goals have dried up. They they were like uh, an I mean, ambitious like when exciting you look team at their before. Team sheet, when you look at their team sheet, I don't know about that. I mean, I was gonna say when you look at their team sheet of all of the, the teams, I'm just in the saying Premier they were getting League, good performances from like Billing they and were, Kiefer Moore. They were, they were getting goals from those players. Very and those few have dried players up. on that team that are actual Premier League quality. Whereas like every other team, and I would argue in the Premier League. They either have exciting young talent or players that you know you could see on other Premier League teams, or they have you know veterans on the team. This, like you said, Billing, I think he's probably good enough to be in the Premier League. Kiefer Moore, Lewis Cook, I think he's Lewis Premier Cook. League quality, lower level, but, but lower end. Just the rest of the team is pretty, pretty barren, and just I know Tavernier has been decent this season. I mean, the one young player they lean on is that winger, Jaden Anthony, I think it is, or Caden yeah, Anthony. Jaden Anthony. I, yeah, Jaden Anthony. He's not amazing, but he's a young, okay. promising player. But it's just, I don't think it's good enough. I think this is a championship-level team. Um, They're a yo-yo club. They're like the Norwich sort of level. I think Eddie Howe was Fulham keeping them up when they, when they made it into the Premier League the first time. And Eddie Howe kept them in this league for four or five years. And as soon as they got rid of Eddie Howe, they went down, and he jumped ship before that went, happened. And right, or did he get? Rele- I don't think he got relegated with them, did he? Uh, he did not. He got fired the season they got relegated, but they fired him because they were on relegation form and they were trying to save it. But uh, I can't remember who they brought in as caretaker, but it didn't work. Uh, I think it might have been Scott Parker, maybe. But yeah, I, I think you're right for the most part, and that's they're they're one of my favorites to go down. I, I think. They've performed amicably. They've had some very impressive results, and they they make a nuisance of themselves sometimes. Yeah, they're but not yeah, going to go down to is... the Hall of Fame as the worst Premier League team ever. You know? No, definitely not. Definitely not. And I could see them if they get if they keep their players, make a few more signings. They could they could come back up next season. You know, that's what I think. Oh, spoiler alert! But yeah, I feel like they're going to go down. All right, let's uh, move up to 15th place, Nottingham Forest. They're on 17 points. They've had a great turnaround. Uh, They were like bottom of the league for a couple of weeks there going into the World Cup break. In the last eight games they played, spanning uh, before that World Cup break, they only have two losses in that time. And those two losses were to Manchester United and Arsenal. Now, they were big losses. So I think that has kind of reinforced in people's minds that, you know, Nottingham Forest are, you know, they're still capable of taking a beating. I think they lost 5-0 to you and 3-0 at United. Um, but in that time, they've beaten teams like Southampton, Crystal Palace, and Liverpool. And they got a draw with Chelsea at home just after we returned from the World Cup break. So it, it seems like they're kind of putting together this, like, all these pieces that they signed in the summer. They have more of a consistent way of playing now. Do you think they're going to live up to the standards we set for them in preseason? Because we were worried for a bit there, Javier. We were both talking outside of the pod. We were like, ooh, <laughs> should we be worried about our Nottingham Forest pick to be safe? 
Well, Alex, you remember my complaint earlier in the season when I was looking at their back line and I was going, there's just no way that that back line of, it was like Worrell, Cook, like Steve Cook, like uh, some other trash can. And they, they just Willie didn't Bully. have, I think, yeah, well, no, not Willie Bully. Willie Bully recently McKenna. has come into the side. Yeah, I think it was McKenna. And then also Williams was playing as well. Now they have Serge Aurier and Renan Lodi, you know, two seasoned, experienced internationals as their wingbacks. Willie Bolli and Worrell as their center backs, and Dean Henderson's been great in goal. Um, also, Oriel Mangala finally got into that midfield. He's been pretty good for them recently. Um, Remo Foyler and Ryan Yates, that wasn't their midfield before. Uh, Yates was as always Yates, been playing Yates in the midfield. Yates is still yeah. garbage, though. I don't know why he still plays he's that team. Complete I think that's, shit. that's another one that they have to get rid of. Um, they should have but, that guy Lewis O'Brien from Huddersfield playing more for them. Yeah, fuck, I fuck thought Yates. Lewis he's O'Brien was man. pretty good earlier in the season. I, you know, you know who surprised me that doesn't play at all is Emmanuel Dennis. I, I've heard rumors about that one that like he's not settling in well. Like there's been rumors that they might just buy out his contract, and I sp- think they spent a decent amount on him in the summer. Like. Supposedly, he's just not like meshing with the rest of the team. So that's one of those weird ones that you'd think like he he's a good player. He did really well at Watford last year, but instead they've given more opportunities to players like Awanyi, who's played very well. Brendan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs-White, they broke their transfer record to sign him from uh, Wolves over the summer. Um, he, he's not exactly been amazing in terms of end, end product, but he is you know a very promising player that will you'd think they'd be relying on for years in the future, regardless of whether they stay up or go down. Um, it's going to be tough. I still think there's a big threat for them to, to get relegated, but I, I've li- I definitely liked what I saw if I was a Nottingham Forest fan when, I, when watching that Chelsea game, because frankly, they should have beaten us. They were Once they decided to step up and press and raise their energy levels, they can be a, they can be a handful. It's, it's hard to build out from the back, so... And they've started getting better results against the other teams around them. But I'll think about that one a little bit more before we, uh, you know, give the actual picks. Moving on up the table, Leeds in 14th place. They're one of those teams on 17 points. We talked about it at the time, but that win they got at Anfield just before the international break, the World Cup break. That was was huge. Changed their season, yeah. Right in the last minute. It was huge. They followed that up with a win, uh, I I think, at home against Bournemouth. I think it was a 4-3, like a thriller. Uh, they came back to win, so that kind of kicked our, started their season, and now they've kind of gone back to not so great form. Um, I don't know. They just they just grinded out an away draw at Newcastle. It's a pretty good result. True, yeah. But though Bournemouth did the same thing, so it's kind of yeah. But I'm just saying. I mean, but right now that uh, Newcastle at the time were on a you know huge winning streak, um, and. You know, we were able to to draw with them again, but you know they were the ones who broke that winning streak for for Newcastle. You know they looked unstoppable, yeah. kept a clean sheet against them, and you know they they had still started a, a fairly attacking lineup. I'm looking at their team right now. They still had Rodrigo on the pitch. They started that uh, really young striker uh, who's been really really good for them, uh, Italian striker Wilfred Gonotto, who we've mentioned before already, but he's been great so far on the team. They had Tyler Adams, Jack Harrison, Brendan Aronson. Um, and then Adam Forshaw was the only real like defensive midfielder. I guess Tyler Adams is kind of like a box box, but they had a bunch of attacking midfielders. Rodrigo up top, 
with uh, Ganato and you know still were able to to keep a good defensive shape and keep keep out this uh Newcastle team and like they could have even gotten the win at some point so I like what uh what I've seen so far from Leeds and the way that Jesse Marsh has kind of transformed this team into a youthful energetic team again and it feels like the energy is back in the team the belief is back in the players and they are finding goals they're finding ways to get points and that fight that grit that like we saw under Bielsa in the first season and kind of fell off at the end it feels like Marsh has found that in the players again and Leeds feel like they're hard for every team to beat now home or away which is not where you want Leeds to be not where I want Leeds to be at all Level on them with uh, 17 points, but a place above them is uh, Leicester City. They were rock bottom to start the season. I can't remember how many games they went without a win to start, but it was an awful lot, and they were bottom for a very long time. That was up until the World Cup break, obviously. They came back, got blown out by Newcastle, lost painstakingly to Liverpool, and then just last week against Fulham. But, you know, before that, they got good wins against those other teams, you know, now below them in the table to quietly get out of the relegation zone. But like I said at the beginning, there's still there's still a lot of the season left. And they're only, like I said, five points off the bottom, two points off relegation zone. So uh, but with players like Madison coming back and I think you mentioned Tielemans is coming back into the, the squad earlier. I think they should be good. They should be able to make a push to, you know, get back into more of that mid table range. How about you? Yeah, I'm not picking them for relegation. I think that they've showed me enough before the World Cup, and I think that Madison injury has been pretty big for them. I think Bubakar Samari did go down injured, though, in that Fulham game at the beginning, so that's a worrying sign for them. I think they, they get a lot of injuries, and it's a worrying sign for them that, you know, they, they might need a signing or two to, to keep up. And right. I'd be worried if I was a Leicester fan, but I think there's enough quality to keep them up. Just barely. All right, Javier. I don't think that... It's time for business. Who uh, who are you yeah. picking? Who do you think is getting relegated? All right, I think Bournemouth 20th still. I think we called that at the beginning of the season. I still think that that's going to be the case. I think Wolves... What? Really? I think Wolves might finish. Oh, man. No, I'm going to say Southampton. I think Southampton 19th and then Everton 18th. All right, clean it up for us. Just give the three, rattle the three off. All right, so we'll say Bournemouth 20th, Southampton 19th, and Everton 18th. All right, I'm going Bournemouth 20th, Everton 19th. Sorry, Frank. And then you know who I had to pick. The team I hate the most, Leeds United. I think they fall apart. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> this Leeds, would be Javier. Great, Alex, we're always we're, something good has to happen this season, Javier. I can't have Arsenal winning the league, Messi winning the World Cup, and Leeds not getting relegated with Chelsea being shit. That's that's not fair. The universe has to restore balance to my life. We have to sign Modric, and then we win league. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, before we go, let's just uh, check in real quick. This weekend. There's a ton of games that we should at least at least mention for you guys to keep an eye on. Uh, we're going to start things off in the Premier League this weekend with the Manchester Derby. Manchester United hosting Manchester City glory, Saturday glory, at 7.30 a.m. Javier glory, is now glory, man United. <laughs> Javier is now a Man United glory, fan glory, for this man weekend. United as the Reds go marching on, on, on. You're a disgrace, dude. You're a disgrace. <laughs> 
Saturday at 10 a.m. Test fuck more. Let's go games. United. Javier, there's four games that I think are, you, you can't go wrong picking any of these. Near the top of the table, you've got Brighton hosting Liverpool, who, uh, you know, are reeling a little bit with the Van Dyke injury. It looks like he's going to be out for two months, it looks like. Um, and Brighton are, you know, having one of their best seasons ever under uh, De Zerbi. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one. Everton will host Southampton. We mentioned that one as a relegation six-pointer. Uh, I do want to say one thing about that about Brighton right now. Matoma, he's unbelievable right yeah. now. He's been so good since he came back from the World Cup. And McAllister as well scored a brace in the FA Cup. McAllister, yeah, McAllister's back for them. I think I think Brighton could could mess up Liverpool at home here. Yeah, like I said, you need to watch those those games. And it, uh, I think it could be like a three three. Some crazy ass game. Get your multiple screens ready because uh, that 10 a.m. time slot, it's that Brighton Bet Liverpool game. Bet the over on that fucking game. It's for uh, sure. There's Everson Southampton, I mentioned. Allison Forest, will fuck something up. Matoma's versus, gonna score. Javier, let me do this so we can finish this. There's Nottingham Forest versus Leicester, also at 10 a.m. on Saturday, and then Wolves West Ham. Those are three like relegation six pointers all going on at the same time. Like minutes like minutes can go by and these teams can go from being in the relegation zone to being yeah, like up definitely in 13th. A goal rush watch goal rush on uh, yeah peacock that's that uh, you can keep track of all the games then on sunday it doesn't slow down we've got newcastle fulham sunday at 9 a.m during uh the chelsea crystal palace game so uh but that that game is definitely more interesting than the chelsea crystal palace game and then of course javier arsenal going across north london Sunday at 11.30 a.m., the North London Derby, Tottenham hosting Arsenal. How positive are you about this one, Javier? I feel like you should be in uh, pretty good spirits. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to go there and wipe the floor with them. We're going to show them that uh, they don't deserve to be in the top four, and uh, we're going to win this title. This is the type of game, though. This this is the, the bogey game, right? We have a, a few bogey games this season still left. We have... Away Newcastle still to play. We still have away at the Etihad, and we still have this game. Away Liverpool and and away Liverpool. Yeah, we have four bogey games left. Four really really hard games that we did almost you say away we never Newcastle yet. Places. Yeah, I yeah. did. I said away Newcastle too. Um, but this is one of those two. We haven't won at Tottenham. I think in six or seven seasons. We're due. We're due, Alex. And wow. uh, this is where uh, where we break that curse. Well, this is this is one that also is going to be very heavily influenced by how that Manchester derby plays out the day before. Because if City go to Old Trafford, get a win, and they cut the lead to two points, that's when that's when your title credentials are truly tested. When the team that's chasing you brings it down to like one or two points, so that they're just behind you, breathing down your neck, you see how your team reacts, and that obviously is what determines whether you're you know worthy of winning the title or not. So, uh, you know, if City lose and you've still got that five point gap, maybe you guys play more freely and, you know, win the game or a draw isn't like the end of the world for you. But if City win and you guys, you know, have that pressure coming into it, maybe that influences Arsenal's uh, performance a little bit. So something to keep an eye on. That's why, that's why we love the Premier League. We love it for that reason. What would your prediction be if you had to give one right now? I think I told you 3-1, I'd say Arsenal before. I'll say 2-1 Arsenal. Okay. I think uh, I'll give a little bit more respect to Tottenham defensively, especially at home. But I think the waving play, I can even I can see two nil as well. I can see escaping a clean sheet because, but Harry Kane always scores on us. So true, very true. Harry Kane will score, and uh, Saka and Eddie and Ketia. 
Ah, the the official Eddie and Ketia coming out party. The uh, uh, yeah, and that'll and Ketia right now is actually t- top tied goal scorer in all competitions with Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli. He they all have seven goals, which is uh, it's great. We ahead have goals, of Jesus, uh, all the interesting. Side. Ahead of Jesus, kind of crazy. This quickly already from Inketia. So good form continuing from him. And I, yeah, I'm expecting it to continue. You know, I like what I see so far. Mudrick coming. Possibly. Possibly. Hopefully. You didn't let me talk about Enzo. I'm not letting you talk about Mudrick until it happens. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. Javier, thanks again for jumping on. If you want to follow Javier, on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. You can follow me at ASMoss92 on Twitter or Instagram. And you can follow the podcast socials at GhostGoalPod, again, on Twitter and Instagram. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and leave a rating and or review. Those really help us with uh, new listeners getting the pod suggested to them. And, you know, we always appreciate it when you guys can help us grow this thing. Enjoy a stacked weekend of Premier League fixtures, everyone. And until next time, see ya.